You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Sydney. I am Vinolia. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today I'm your host. We are back with another episode of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today I'm joined by three leaders from the Australian tech industry. We will be discussing rise of cloud with specific reference to data migration. Um, let's kick off things by meeting today's panel. Um, Ian, you've obviously done this before. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, awesome. And really nice to be back with you, V. I think awesome. I might be your first returning <laughs> guest, so I don't know what that says. But uh, yes, um, my name is Ian Hopkins, uh, Head of Data Analytics for LexisNexis within the Pacific region. Uh, so my role, I suppose, encompasses um, end-to-end technology, responsibility for our infrastructure, as well as the analytics and other such. So um, yeah, pretty much sitting at the core of the business, trying to drive data and um, strategic decisions based upon that. Yes. Awesome. Thanks for that, um, Ian. Albert, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. So my, my name is Albert. Uh, currently, I lead the, the data science kind of department at, at Mervac, which is again one of Australia's kind of um, you know full stack kind of property group. Um, and you know it's an exciting initiative uh, for the company because you know we're traditionally bricks and mortars, but we we really build, truly believe in digital, and we want that at the forefront of everything we do. So I'm um, you know excited to be part of the journey and establishing that capability in the company only from 2021. So still very new. Oh, nice. So thank you for that, um, Albert. And last but not least, Sanjay, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. So I'm basically, my name is Sanjay Ramesh, and I'm the head of data integrity and analytics at the Association of Independent Schools of New South Wales. Now, the Independent Schools of New South Wales, we look after 504 schools uh, in New South Wales and 11 in ACT. And uh, we do everything from technology, data management, to grant funding, to basically teaching and learning, and also teacher registration and the basically teacher accreditation. So it's an association, but it's in a in a highly uh, sort of regulated education environment that we sort of deal with. And my side of the um, work involves the data hub so i'm basically leading the data hub and we are basically going into this new journey of uh, replacing the uh, old dynamic crm with the salesforce and everything with it including the challenges of data migration and moving from on-premise to cloud technology and to basically see that all our data analytics and reporting uh, strategies are all in place so that we can deliver. Awesome. Thank you so much for for your introductions, guys. Um, So now we're going to jump into our first question, which was uh, brought forward by yourself, Sanjay. Um, do you want to share your question and just give us a, you know, a background as to where that question originated and maybe, you know, give us insight on that? 
Yeah, so basically we were talking quite a bit about data migration. So the experience in the moment in my role currently was in the area of CRM dynamics. We have Microsoft Dynamics, so we are planning to migrate the Dynamics information to Salesforce because we thought that uh, Salesforce was a better technology and allowed us to do quite a bit more than what the previous uh, uh, previous uh, uh, Dynamics uh, CRM allowed us to do. So some of the uh, some of these challenges in terms of data migration, uh, actually we are, we are sort of trying to untangle and deal with it. Also, my background has been also in terms of uh, being in a senior position in New South Wales government and in federal government and at universities. So there, there is a constant challenge of moving bits and pieces from on-premise old uh, sort of legacy systems to in cloud and one of the things that uh and and there had been a lot of uh at times a lot of complexity and data loss and you know issues like a uh, data quality issues post migration and uh you know whole raft of issues that has come uh up previously during data migration so the additional challenges that we had to data migration is now basically trying to understand the cloud technology and how sort of this uh, migration piece is going to sit really uh well and how we can plan and develop a sort of a uh, data migration strategy that will enable us to do our migration in a way that is uh you know from experience less painful because uh, tend to be a bit more bit, uh, painful process as to uh, trying to figure out from the business side as to how much is to be migrated, what is to be migrated, and where we're going to draw the line in the sand, and what becomes then candidate for migration into data warehouse or a data lake. So those kind of questions that I, I mean I have sort of dealt with and grappled with. So my approach basically was to basically look at the key business areas yeah. um, uh, and to see where, what are the what are the business areas and how what data assets they have so basically doing a kind of a data ecology of the organization and seeing where this information actually sit uh, once we have done that then basically seeing what are the candidates how good the data is do some data profiling just to understand what the data is and how good the data is and whether that data asset is a candidate for migration or there has to be some sort of a data remediation work that needs to happen prior to migration. So, so those kind of questions, we do go to the business areas and we get involved and we involve them as business subject matter experts or as data stewards for the area to come back to us with the with the with with the status of the data. So that that's the first part of that we look at it. Then we also look at like things like uh, legacy data stores. What are the data stores? How the data is stored? What are some of the business rules uh, around those uh, data that is stored? And uh, what are the you know the sort of uh, things like how the data is transformed? Is the data transformed or is it the traditional e ETL type of? Uh, uh, framework that's being used, they extract the data from source and then just store the data 
into this legacy data store and then they bolt something onto it or there is some sort of a data quality or some sort of a data governance type of processes that's uh, that's been built into the workflow to uh, make sure that the data is pretty good so uh, so that sort of analysis that we do. Uh, the third thing is the system retirement process. What are the, I mean, if we are moving on to a new migrated system, uh, <clears throat> what are the policies about retiring the legacy system? How long do we have to keep those records? What are the, some of the sensitivities around those records that are going to sit in the legacy data and do we want them to sit in the legacy system or do we want to put them into some sort of like a uh, into a, a data room or something which has got security around it so depending on the levels of uh, federation in the data uh, data system we tend to look at data as more sort of a uh, a strategic asset for the organization. We want to make sure that the system retirement uh, is uh, is very much more uh, robust and then uh, that it caters for every uh, most of the most of the requirements of the business, but it also uh, becomes a part of a risk management strategy as well in terms of the migration. So uh, what what happens in uh, in in terms of retirement, how, how what policy we're going to put in place and that leads us to something called data transition rules. So are we going to create a sort of copy of the information and and how are we going to continue with business as usual? Uh, because uh, again, the uh, once the migration starts happen, do we do a data freeze? Uh, what did data freeze look like? Uh, how what is going to be the migration process? Uh, are we going to do a data profiling copy of the data, take a data and do a full test run and a load and then make sure that some of the information, if it's not coming through, why it's not coming through and, uh, and then basically look at it in those sort of parameters and put it through some sort of a data governance uh, business group so that we understand that uh, uh, that there is a very strong business buy-in into these whole processes that I've underlined. Awesome. Um, I see, um, Ian, you have a question. Like, are you familiar with, you know, the I, four key things that he's just mentioned? I am. And I wanted to, I suppose, understand a little bit more about some of the technologies and databases involved here. Uh, and maybe it's an understanding of the journey that you're on, where you are in that. Like my my knowledge of CRM systems and Dynamics is a Microsoft product, which I'm sure the back end will be SQL. Uh, you're migrating to Salesforce, which is Oracle Cloud, which um, comes with its own complexities. I suppose, how, how do you manage that? And does that, I suppose, that technology drive your approach to uh, cloud technology that you adopt, you know? Um, so an example being, if you are very Microsoft homogenous, does that drive you automatically down the Azure route? Is this taking you down a kind of a different path? So in the, in terms of the technology stack, I think it's an interesting question. So 
Previously, I mean, not necessarily the same way at work. Uh, previously, I was involved in uh, migration work from uh, from SQL to Azure in in cloud. So that was a bit. I mean, once you go through the Microsoft stack, then it becomes a bit easy. So what we did was to use the SQL Server integration service, and basically. Uh, uh, do the integration service packages and then move, lift and shift data out. Um, that uh, and and also uh, do some profiling using some data profiling tools, some in like uh, Alteryx and other things, just to see where there are duplications. So we used to hook the uh, data management tool directly onto the data uh, the source and actually do a full data profile. So. I mean, you can probably do data management and data profiling with any of those tools, even, you know, like Tableau Prep, which is a cheaper option than going to Alteryx, which will cost you <laughs> a fair bit of money, uh, just a designer, and there's multiple add-ons to that. And then um, uh, then it, then basically using the SQL Server integration service to move it. Now, we have taken a slightly different approach to this uh, in in our current phase. What we are trying to do in our current phase is to use uh, some sort of technology. You probably have heard of automation anywhere to yeah. use an AI based uh, because the because the the source system is not very well documented and we don't really fully understand the relationship with the tables because there's so much customization has happened to those tables and multiple configurations and integration layers. So what we do is to use an automation anywhere bot to actually go and map all the lineages of those tables and then lift it up for us to do the analysis and then potentially to use a um, uh, you know a data migration tool to then move it uh, but we have to do that sort of initial work and we have taken a slightly different approach than just going straight to the SQL Server integration service and you're right it's Microsoft and it's a Microsoft integration service that does the integration side of stuff and the analysis service does the data platform, which we bolt on Power BI and a few other, uh, you know, analytics tools like Crystal Reports and things like that. So, so that's probably what the approach is so far. So that's that's how we've been trying to do. Uh, but some of these AI uh, bots, uh, if you factor in migration may not be cheap. So that's another thing to really look at it. Uh, SSIS would probably be a cheaper option than going through a uh, a bit more sort of uh, intensive migration uh, tools that using AI or sort of the robotic process, processes automation. Understood. All right, so um, thank you for that, guys. What are your thoughts on that, um, Albert? Yeah, no, I think my my question on that is just um, how do you manage uh, uh, complexity? Uh, often, you know, uh, you know, the data migration, you know, we we like to, you know, hey, scope. We think there's about five source systems, and then we might need you know this amount of resources. But you know, from my experience, often once we open the covers, 
um, things are much worsening. And then it's not, not, you know, obviously we allow for flexibility, but sometimes the difference is, is quite quite huge, not to mention the expectations of, of, of the stakeholders as well. And there's a lot of eyes on it because it's critical. Just curious from your experience, you know, you know how, how have you, you, you dealt with that? So, uh, yeah, but I think one of the biggest problems happens is scope creep and also the, and, and that's, a, that's a big issue um, because that, that will affect your budget. You know, like I mean, and and basically your timelines are going because the more you open things up, the more problems you discover, right? So oh, that's common. You have, it always happens, and, and it always happens. So you have to actually do some. Uh, you have to do due diligence around how you're going to manage those risks, and uh, and and I think just to as a single person managing risk is a bit more tr- troublesome in an organization. It's better to get the senior leadership. Uh, you know, they, you, you may want to have some sort of a corporate governance uh, oversight of this as well, because, I mean, th- this whole governance around uh, data migration needs to be sort of pretty well bedded down as to what are the touch points and where, when things tend to get a bit sort of south, how as an organization you can collectively come and put back things on track. It's like a project management, like a thing. I mean, there's so many different projects. Everybody jumps on agile, 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 because they want something quick, they want fast, and they want something cheap. But at the end of the day, there's so many moving parts, even in the cloud section, that you may not uh, be able to achieve that. But to really understand understand the scope of it and to really make sure that the business has a very good buy-in of it you will need to get uh, you know some sort of a governance around it and uh, use existing sort of governance uh, infrastructure that exists in the organization so that you can um, you know sort of manage these sort of issues going forward otherwise you know, you'll have cost blowout. You'll have a lot of uh, unhappy people at the top. Um, you know, you probably cross path with your CFO because I'm reporting directly to the CFO. So I know he's he's really always talking about money. So and uh, and he says, look, I I can't take all this. You know, I can't. If the risk is too high, I have to really make sure that you know, that uh, that we have those uh, proper remediations in place as to alternatives rather than going down the path of, uh, if we don't need a Ferrari, don't buy, don't go down the path of building a Ferrari, right? <laughs> if you can do with a, just a small little Toyota somewhere, just, uh, and probably with some reusable parts, Go and get it done. So, so I think that's that's uh, that's happens. I think depending in a government organization, it's not an issue. They can throw a lot of resources at it. But in private sector and small organizations, especially like associations, I think the there is a very very consciousness that first they don't have the capability. Uh, that the staff is not that uh, you know expertise or skilled and uh, they will need to you know they need to most definitely rely on uh, external consultants for most of the thing but somebody will need to manage that process internally not just sort of leave it to the consultants to do whatever they want 
because uh, you know i mean they're looking at it more sort of commercial things but we also we uh, the business is looking at things from a uh, point of view of what is the final state what capabilities and capacity they need to build and what will be the some of the challenges going to be in the future considering whether you know scalability issues and also you know what sort of uh, infrastructure they have in place what are the security arrangements i mean at the moment there's a lot of things going on around privacy and security and so people are very worried and uh, people are very nervous and um, I think they get more worried when they go to a presentation where they see a lot of dashboards and a lot of, uh, you know, nice looking dials uh, flicking away and they come back and they say, oh, my goodness, what is all going to cost to me? So I, I, I think that's a, that's a reasonable assumption that you see people higher up as you go in the from the CEO. I mean, uh, uh, and uh, in the, you know, the sort of executive area. You're not going to have people that are technically astute or have got that technical knowledge, and they do rely on the chief data officers, the chief data scientists, and the you know head of data and head of technology to actually advise them. And most of the time, especially when I've seen in terms of cloud technology, there is a very big gap. There is a big gap. People think that, okay, it's all easy to just lift something and just move it into cloud. But cloud also has the same moving pieces as you have on premise, you know. I think, yeah. um, oh, sorry to jump in, B. Um, that segues quite nicely into a challenge I'm currently having or discussing. Um, and as we know, scope, <laughs> creep, increases time, costs, etc. Um, I'm looking to transition from on-premise to cloud data warehouse lake however you wish to describe it uh, and it's fairly easy or easier to manage budgets on premise you know you know how much your server's costing you know how much resource you have there but then budgeting for the for cloud and fluctuation maybe this is more to your uh, domain albert but uh you're obviously using a lot of processing power for natural language processing streaming data data science elements which pretty much require cloud compute how do you go about budgeting for that or how do you go about presenting a business case to to migrate and migrate as soon as possible <laughs> Yeah, I think with with cloud, uh, you're you're right. Like uh, Sanjay mentioned, it's it's uh, seems similar, but it's not the same. And then I think that's the very first message I remember that I had to to uh, talk with my CFO because when we presented uh, our cloud infrastructure of Snowflake, the CFO was like, "Oh, it's just a data base, right? And we only have one." So what's the difference, right? And I think, oh, for example, one of the things you pointed out, the difference between compute and, and storage, that in, in the cloud, you you know, you know only pay if you use it and you, you don't pay much or very little if you kind of store it. And that's a big one of the biggest problems in the, in the on-premise infrastructure, right? You, 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 your costing is, okay, one, one, one warehouse, that's additional, I don't know, 50 grand. Yeah. Uh, but in the cloud, it's like, well, one warehouse might be additional, I don't know, the $1,000. That doesn't quite matter until kind of you, you use it. Uh, but, but, but you're right in terms of 
uh, understanding and, and budgeting, it's, it's uh, always unknown. But one, one of the things that I remember when, when we did migrate uh, to, to the cloud is uh, we, we asked for an initial kind of pull. All right, and obviously talk to your card vendors, just understanding the initial um, in investment here, and also do a bit of a you know make sure. And when you do it, we do put in guardrails to do analytics on our own analytics. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing we always proclaim to others. Hey, this is how we use analytics, but we have to use it as well in terms of consumption. Uh, are we doing it effectively, efficiently, and then how you know. Is it according to what we think? Uh, and then once we have that, then I think we'll, we'll be in a better position to to kind of review it ongoing and similar to uh, what we just discussed before, right? That uh, we set up this, this speaking governance committee and, and have like, a, a, for example, like a quarterly strategy Kind of, kind of cycle rather than you know everyone always thinks oh I need to create a one year strategy and it never changes. <laughs> it, it's it's it may be in some areas of the business where it's you know more also classical, but in technology it's innovations everything's new. But as long as we have an overarching yearly objective, loosely speaking, business outcome, but in terms of the mechanics, having a quarterly uh and um you know review and and just communicate that sometimes it could be much less which is great mm -hmm. uh but sometimes it could be more but as long as we tie that more with the value that it's getting and working together with our um with team partners i think it's it's totally defensible i think i mean that's just what happened as well um for for example i think uh, for us yet at Nervac, i think in in the early parts we were a bit kind of under because the adoptions of data wasn't as as quick but that's fine we asked the vendor say can we Use that as a credit, and then they allowed it. But obviously, um, you know, don't increase linearly. This is the I wonder part, right? Once we did uh, get to the business of buying, suddenly so many requests comes in, and then they it, it increases exponentially, and then uh, it goes from there. But CFO will say, "Look, totally understand. All sign off, and then go from there." So. Okay. Do you think that would be more of a challenge for someone like Ian, who is, you know, working for? like a global company or does that not matter? Um, I, I think, I think what, what we mentioned, it, it's quite um, generic in terms of, you know, whether you're kind of global or things that there is, uh, you know, yeah, with any projects, there's always a risk. There's, it's, mm. That's why even in banking, there's no department of risk elimination. The department is called risk management. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's that's how it with every every the, the decision and just being being really transparent and to tell to tell the the stories and have a, have a plan, um, and then have a review cycle. And I think that's that's gonna you know. You know, if you have that framework, then it just makes it easy to replicate across, you know, all the different, for example, if you manage different countries as well, and then see how, you know, whether there's any differences or it's all, there's some similarities. Okay. What are your thoughts on that, um, Sanjay? Absolutely. I think, uh, uh, Albert, makes sense what you're saying because yeah the compute power i mean all that see the storage has become cheaper right i mean that's that's what it is not no longer the on-premise where you have large servers sitting around and people just worrying about how much you know the, by looking at the size of those servers they're they're going crazy so uh i, I was i i'm sort of more sort of inclined to basically agree with that but then there are other parts of the cloud you know like i mean 
talk about data platform, uh, talk about the integration side of things, talk about the API side. Of, you know, I mean, most most of the organization are using the application process into interfaces. So it just adds to those complexity and most of those complexity in, in terms of getting the 360 degree view, including analytics and how you're going to deploy your, your analytics uh, uh, analytics offering to the wider customer base and all that stuff is basically uh, those are the on costs that uh, finally comes uh, to to haunt us. And then uh, in terms of going back to the point is how do you do a business case, Ian? It, it, it's a very tricky way of writing up a business case, right? I mean, uh, you have to basically see I think one one thing has to be clear about as to what are the what are what is the business case trying to solve here? You know, is it a? I mean, usually it's it's probably a data issue, but then it becomes a technology issue because you need some sort of a technology to solve that data issue, and then okay, even if you solve it, then then how are you going to make sure that whether what is the security around the data, what are the privacy around the data, who should see what. And it has to be part of your business case to basically give a level of confidence that uh, that the, the business case actually captures the requirements of the business, but not only the immediate requirements of the business, but it also has some sort of a roadmap as well uh, that, okay, I'm going to do X in, you know, in the first year, probably Y maybe look at some sort of automation in the third year or fourth year so some some sort of a some sort of roadmap that we have that we that we can work on will be good but the business case i found out uh, most of the time is that some of the assumptions on on the business case can be uh, you know could be quite, uh, like I said, it could be quite conservative or it could be quite liberal. But but uh, whichever way you go, you're going to find yourself in the actual project managing once you start the project that you're going to find challenges. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I think business case is good. I think as long as it captures all the business requirements and has a very good, you know, sort of a projective element in terms of where the business what's the business strategic goals are like three or four years out or five years mostly they do five-year plans uh, unless you're in government they usually come up with 20-year plans and you know by that time they're not in office so uh, it's good it's good to have that sort of an understanding of uh, but five-year plans mostly mostly in private sector you, you probably have those kind of strategic plan business plan and it's important to have those plans in those uh, KPIs pretty much better on as to what you are trying to measure, how you're trying to measure it, and what is your measurement framework. You know, I mean, you're trying to measure something. I mean, if you don't measure anything, then it's basically flying blind, right? I mean, you do want to measure, and you want to see that you are really increasing sales, or or you are making profit, or you are basically increasing your customer satisfaction. There, there are a few generic KPIs, which is very important. So I think in, 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 in my understanding, I think a business case is a very important piece. And also, there's another important piece close to it, is what is your 
digital strategy? What is your data strategy? And what's your BI and analytics strategy? And from all these other nice strategies that we all love to have is what's going to be your data migration strategy. So it's like a puzzle, right? We're trying to fit together puzzle. And if we are trying to, if the puzzle is supposed to give you a picture of, let's say, Yoda, you don't end up with a you know, puzzle that gives you a picture of Darth Vader, right? I mean, there you have that's that's what <laughs> just to put the Star Wars analogy in place. So, Albert, yeah, no, I just want to add one more point in there. Um, and I've, I've been in similar situation with cloud and business case, and I'll, I'll share one one opinion that's important, but it's quite controversial. Um, you know, everyone starts off with the uh, efficiency benefits. If we move to cloud, we'll save thirty percent or or some something along that line, right? And I, I would say that's that's uh, don't, don't don't go with that because what I've I've seen happen, for example, with the, some of the CFOs I've worked with in the past is after we review in two to three years, in fact, things will become more expensive um, overall. As just a bottom line, and the CFO just looks at me. I, I thought it's supposed to be cheaper. But obviously, this is, uh, from a bottom line point of view, but obviously we know that, look, we deal a bit more benefits and blah, blah, blah. So so that's, that's the full picture. So I think it's, um, you know, it's interesting, but I'm comfortable saying, saying to the CFO something up front that, hang on, when we're doing this the business case, the budget will go up. Could be double, could be triple, and everyone will look at you and, and kind of obviously say no, but that's, that's the reality. If we really have the broader ambition, yes, you know, the mechanics is this part will, you know, this will become more, you know, the consumption driver will change. Uh, but then because we will be do, do more with that, everything will increase. But you also tie an ROI and for the benefits around that. So I think it's very important to, to share that full picture, but not being afraid that benefit of car transformation is also a business transformation so that it's, there will be increased cost. Yeah, I, I, like, I like the way you frame that in terms of, business uh transformation uh so again um to touch on your point cfos do get scared when you go this is going to be two or three times more expensive than your current infrastructure but uh, i suppose it's presenting what the future vision looks like in line with strategy you know that kind of stream analytics iot you know natural language processing which uh obviously takes extensive compute power, which all comes at a cost and is a lot more expensive than your box that resides in the back end of somewhere that no one wants to touch. But um, yeah, I think that answers my question in terms of align and strategy where, with, where the business wants to go and that digital transformation piece. No, thanks for that. Wow, that was a really great um, discussion and I'm glad you could have you can sort of like get an answer for your question there, um, Ian. Um, so that now brings us to your question, Albert, or, you know, the point that you want to bring forward. Do you want to take us into that? Yeah, sure. So I think um, I think the point is, again, the sort of segue and related to the my last point that, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, we always do data migration, right? Either from various systems to kind of one system or obviously on-prems to kind of database. And again, as we know, it does take take a, a good period of time. Could be six months, could be one year, could, could be two years. And then, um, you know, so, so my question is more than, is data migration a purely efficiency exercise or is it a catalyst 
for for uh, for a, a broader business transformation. And and I, I think for me, yes, I think most people in the beginning might think by default it's just an efficiency exercise. For example, at Mervac, we are have this uh, you know data migration where there's like you know the business had you know. They want to go digital. And when they review all the digital ecosystem, they have like five financial systems doing exactly the same thing, just one for each different business unit. And they thought, well, why couldn't we have one single one, right? It will make it much more, uh, you know, simpler and all this other stuff. But obviously when we walk down the road, uh, rubber hits the road, it's, it's almost a two to three years journey and there's a change in business process. It's, it's complex. But if you then uh, look at it, let's say, um, go to the future and uh, two years later say, hey, we did this and it's just all in one system, it's cheaper. Right? I think we miss a lot of other opportunities. Right? Mm-hmm. I think this is where I, uh, I think for mentioned this. And I think um, Sanjay um, hinted earlier, um, it's an opportunity that we can pack, uh, you know, put all our broader data initiatives uh, in the middle there, for example, uh, data management. When we opened up all under the covers, we'll see all the data quality issues. Then we talk to the business, hang on, uh, why there's five different customer records? Who manages them, right? And then how do we establish a good operating model between us and the business? And how do we create this freedom going forward? But, and then, you know, create that, you know, good operating model rather than just, hey, we're just doing this for the purpose of uh, data migration, which I've seen a lot of organizations do, <laughs> but we could uh, tackle this to the bigger initiatives. And 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 so same for also, you know, um, customer records and working with enterprise architecture around um, what is the simpler uh, data flows, you know, and also around um, for example, I've seen in some of my old organization when we open under the covers, there's this um, formula that suddenly is super super complicated, right? You know, sort of how do we how do we restructure it? How do we make it kind of kind of simpler? I know that, uh, for example, you know, my wife often likes every like three to six months just the same part of the room, just put the layout differently, but it gives a massively different <laughs> different effects and and happiness. So I think the same with with data migration, we have to think about. How can we make make things more agile, make simpler, making it you know component uh, based, so that you know every everyone at, at the end is just much more, much more kind of you know happier as well, rather than literally Lucy speaking, I call it as is <laughs> type of exercise. So. You you've been through um, data migration, Sanjay. Do you want to share your thoughts on that? What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I have basically gone through very big data migration processes, like with the uh, with the uh, with government. So in in the government area, one of the things they often and I think probably Albert has uh, hinted on that is the the wider transformation that's taking place with that. The biggest thing has been that change management has not been properly considered or resourced or a framework developed as to how this change is uh, going to happen once the migration is complete and all the mess that's going to end up afterwards. Because uh, once they do post, uh, I mean, in previous, once they do post-migration validation, they find that things have not gone the way they should have through, even though those multiple test cases that they have done in terms of the pre-migration uh, in in a test environment, the production, something's gone wrong, 
And then what you end up is again, a very costly exercise of remediating those data in production environment. So backing it out of the production environment into a another staging environment and trying to fix that information up and roll it back. It's very costly and it's, uh, you know, you will need fair bit of resources to do that. And I think that's very important that, uh, that to uh, have a sort of a, have this part of a change management process, have it part of a, you know, a robust governance process and uh, some sort of an oversight and also, you know, some best practice sort of methodologies that you use around migration instead of just basically saying, you know, just basically saying, okay, just a lift and shift exercise, and we'll worry about all these governance issues, change management, transformation issues later on. Then your cost is definitely going to skyrocket, really, really thing. And and a lot of the people, uh, and like I said, it's not just so much technology moving parts as as Albert and probably Ian hinted. It's more also that it's it's conceptually. Uh, you know, methodology and how we're going to uh, make sure that the business in the end gets what it wants, right, in terms of, and, the, and it's not one single interest in the business wants to see certain things. There's multiple, you know, like a multiple interests that are sort of exploding and, and coming together in, in, in terms of these projects. So I think we just need to make sure that those, those uh, you know, you don't want to have a two-legged stool kind of thing. You know, you need to have your four legs pretty much bolted on. So you need to have your governance. You need to have your uh, sponsorship proper. You need to have your uh, change management. And you also need to have some robust, scalable, uh, way of doing things that adopts best practice, and if uh, and 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 you have to really uh, test those methodologies. You know whether whether it's the uh, there's so many different methodologies out there in terms of uh, moving the data, and uh, you can use multiple algorithms and do all that stuff. But in the end, you don't want to have data loss. You want to move into something better than what you had in before in your legacy system. And second and third of all, you need to have a good, you know, good, good news story that uh, you can go and tell people, right? I mean, probably showcase it as, as a success because I mean, the worst thing you can do is to go and you know, nobody wants to hear the bad news story that you moved a massive ERP migration project that uh, that required, you know, sort of a million dollars worth of resources to come back and remediate the data. That's gonna, not going to be a good story. And I don't think so. Gartner is going to allow you to stand in front of all those people and talk about it <laughs> or anybody else with that in those forums. So I think there has to be some care taken. And I think when things are becoming too risky, I think we need to have plan B as well as to what we're going to do. I mean, sometimes we may have to uh, give up you know, or we have to de-scope something in the middle of a project because it's just not going to be feasible or it's just not achievable uh, because it's not was not realistic in the first place. Uh, 
So, so I mean, it, I think it's more sort of an experiential. I mean, I've seen a lot of people come in, even with a lot of experience, um, fall into some traps like that. So I'm I'm mindful that we, you know, I think care must be taken. And I think both Albert and uh, Ian, you, I mean, both of you are probably are in the journey or have started in this journey, but I've gone through so many of the journeys in my last <laughs> 25 years that, you know, the journey can, uh, the journey, in all journey, I always uh, sort of approach the journey with a, you know, cautious optimism rather than just being too cavalier about it and saying, you know, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to work out great. <laughs> and uh, and in your case, your LexisNexis, you you guys are research database, basically. I mean, coming from the university side of stuff. And uh, Mirvek, you're Albert, you're property, right? I mean, <laughs> so, and I'm education. I mean, uh, you know, we, we're more interested in teachers and all the impacts of COVID, what's going to happen with those teachers. I mean, nobody wants to teach anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what should we start, you know, giving scholarships to student, uh, students in schools? So there is a much more wider things that's happening in in each of our space as well, which is quite interesting. I mean, uh, especially in in your research, universities are changing. Mate. I mean, COVID has actually moved universities into a totally different space than what used to be. You know, your traditional space where a lecturer entered a room, went through his slides, and went back to his research <laughs> oh, oh Albert in your space in property you know I mean there's a lot of things happening in digitization of you know your strata and stuff like that there's government initiative that's going on at the moment and in our space there's uh, uh, there is a need to better have a better handle on the data better handle on the funding better handle on you know to, to make sure that the data is of quality that we don't fail in our data migration that we are successful so at the end of the year we may get a bonus and um, and the bonus is little more than a teddy bear so I mean, all that stuff is sort of happening in our space. So, so I think different, different, different journeys have got uh, different outcomes. Uh, one size doesn't fit in this piece anyway. And I think the comment Ian, you were saying that yes, it's not necessarily that future technology is going to be cheaper. Maybe the future technology can do a lot, but it's going to not going to be cheap, right? Yeah. Exactly. So this whole concept about technology becoming smaller and cheaper, maybe they're getting smaller, but not cheaper. <laughs> and then if you roadmap it, uh, like Albert, you saying, like three years down the line, and now I'm left with much more, uh, I have a bigger cost, you know, to operate the same thing that I had three years ago. And then you have to see that, you know, all these environmental factors that also impacting, you know, like, oh, can we get some person with some skill for a cheaper rate these days it's impossible so you know i mean what are you going to go offshore or some other place and then you have to also see what other security how sensitive the data is because a lot of the people that are working for government have to have you know like security clearances and stuff like that before they can even go and open the you know log on to the computer so it's very interesting 
world we evolving into i think we are migrating our consciousness with the data itself i think <laughs> oh, wow. all right so um ian you are in the process of you know the data migration what are your thoughts on you know alvid's question um sorry in terms of is data um is migration there for transformation purposes um i'm i think it i'm well i found that it is there for that um Again, I'll draw back to the kind of compute power that is needed to operate advanced analytics right now. You know, uh, as, as Sanjay said, the world is changing. You know, we have IoT that are managing crop and stuff. You need advanced computing power to address this. Uh, I think if aligned with a, a strong organizational strategy, that technology should the technology strategy should sit alongside that, but it does come out of the cost. <laughs> but if that's where the business is going and data uh, and digital transformation is at the heart of it, um, I think it makes total sense. Yeah. Awesome. Um, was there anything else anybody wanted to discuss? Anybody want to add anything there? Nothing from me. Sanjay, you look like you want to say something. Oh, I always have something to say. It just, <laughs> it, it, it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, like I said, I, I think this technology um, in, you know, use of technology for data migration and the methodology, uh, this will continue to play and it will evolve. So I think once we go through the smaller data migrations, we will learn and then we'll do it better. And for the, you know, like, I mean, a lot of things is going to turn legacy in three years' time. So uh, sometimes, you know, in, in government departments, they implement things, and before, after they've implemented, become legacy. So, <laughs> so the, the technology is moving faster, quite faster than, um, you know, the, all that to go through all the bureaucracies and all the processes and do all the business cases. And by the time you get something on the table, it's already out. I mean, it's 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 quite it's it's quite an interesting thing. So I think we just have to keep our, our eye on our ball as a new technology evolves. Uh, we have to, you know, basically trial it. I mean, uh, and uh, and get better at doing this uh, data migration. Uh, but it's no easy migrating data from on-premise to an on-premise or from on-premise to cloud. I think this is, I think this has to be understood that. There is a lot of moving parts, and these moving parts are not sort of uh, can be switched off just because you're moving to a cloud. So you have to take all those factors into consideration and have a pretty robust risk strategy as well. If things don't go the way you want it to go, what's your fallback position, right? Uh, so, so that's that's probably my two cents worth. Yeah, I just right. wish I think uh, that uh, we, we could have, uh, you know, for example, you know, more recently, I just bought a new iPhone. And, you know, when you're switching between phones, it's so easier these days. I just wish that I think, you know, the technology world maybe could start, uh, you know, thinking what they could do to help kind of this journey of data migration much more seamless, right? Because if you think about it, um, you know, we were talking about data ops and ML ops, and now there are some software vendors that, that do that kind of end-to-end -end package. And as I understand, obviously, data migration is, is very complicated, but I'm sure there are paths where it could be, you know, 
there might be some tools that can help around that journey so that we don't, you know, so we have a bit of a human and machine partnerships because, you know, as Sanjay mentioned, finding people sometimes to help out is, is, is difficult and then that becomes more and more, more, more risk. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure with, we can get better attention and put that wish list in the technology in tech community. Who knows? Hopefully, in a few years' time, they might have a, a tool that can assist because yeah, it's so common, right? You always do it, right? Now it's from on-premise to cloud, then it's from cloud to I don't know something else. Like <laughs> we don't know. So. Cloud to light, or probably light <laughs> to outer space. I mean, it 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 will evolve. I mean, the cloud yeah. is not the next frontier. Uh, you know, they're talking about augmented learning and all that stuff, which is totally, totally in the virtual space. In the and 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 it's evolving, and the investments are also evolving. Now we're talking about low code or no code. You know. Technology such as Snowflake, which is, which is uh, you know quite a robust cloud platform. Mm-hmm. Um, Ten years ago, nobody, you know, everybody was just jumping in and out of SQL Server. So now yeah. they now they have got now they talk about something else. So uh, all these other cloud like Amazon and other stuff have you know have come into the market. So I think that um, that's a, I think it's a good thing that innovation is happening. And uh, some sort of democratization is also happening in terms of the information and how things can be used. I mean, people are more trying to empower business to make sure that you know they 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 can make those decisions, so they can support those decisions that will help them be successful. I think that's an important thing. And data migration is again a one of the very small piece of the technology in this big universe of all the other activities that need to happen to get into a fully functional uh, system environment, whether it's in cloud or on premise. So, uh, so finally, either we're going to get the Ferrari that we wanted or the Toyota that we wished mm-hmm. for. It's going to be. It's it's an interesting. It's a very interesting concept because the uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, right. I guess that brings us to the end of our discussion. Um, thank you all so much for your contributions today. Um, so we're just going to leave the discussion here for today. And again, I'd like to say thanks to, you know, everybody that joined me today, my panel, yourself, Sanjay, um, yourself, Albert, and yourself, Ian, again. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me in like a very insightful discussion on rise of the cloud with reference to data migration. And for yourself, Ian, that's sort of, you know, going through this right now, I hope you've picked up, you know, a thing or two. And I believe, you know, if you do have questions or need some sort of assistance, you can reach out to both Albert and um, Sanjay. Um, And thank you all for listening. And we will see you guys on the next installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. My name is Benolia.